Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. A hung parliament sends sterling government bonds and the stock market falling. But how will it affect your finances in the longer term? Could the Greek debt crisis spread to the UK? We assess the risks to private investors. And how to become a truly global investor? FT Money columnist Nick Louth explains the ins and outs of managing your money from around the world. All this to come in this week's FT Money Show. I'm Matthew Vincent. I'll be giving you the lowdown on all of these money matters in downloadable form with my colleagues from FT Money, Tanya Poli and Ellen Kelleher. So let's start with the money news. On Friday morning, the UK woke up to a hung parliament for the first time in more than 30 years. On current projections of the general election voting, the Conservatives will be 21 seats short of the 326 needed for an overall majority. But even a Labour and Lib Dem coalition looks likely to fall short of this number as well. So with no party able to declare victory or form a government on Friday morning, the FTSE 250 index, which is seen as more representative of the domestic UK economy, lost 2.5%. Benchmark gilts also fell, pushing yields up by nearly 17 basis points, and sterling weakened against the euro to €1.15. So what does this all mean for your investments, or is it too early to tell? Um, Tanya, let's start off with what's been happening to sterling. A lot of people said, sterling's pricing in a hung parliament, it won't fall any further, but it has fallen. Yes, it has. Sterling has actually hit a one-year low against the dollar of $1.45. We've also seen sterling fall 3% against the euro to €1.15. Um, I was speaking to a few um, currency experts today, and um, they're all of the opinion that you know, if there isn't any kind of true agreement hammered out over the weekend, if there's still so much uncertainty going on in the markets, we could actually see sterling fall further um, come Monday, maybe to you know the one euro ten cents level and the one dollar forty two cents. So it really is kind of quite bad news. So it does all depend on uh, uh, whether Messrs Cameron and Clegg or Brown and Clegg or any other permutation can uh, reach an agreement and quickly. Um, Ellen, of course, uh, sterling is going to affect UK share prices as well. Um, multinational companies with overseas earnings stand to do quite well, so FTSE 100 companies. But I, I mentioned earlier that the FTSE 250, which is full of sort of UK-based companies, has fallen quite a long way. Um, what do people think is going to happen uh, over the sort of medium term? 
Well, there seems to be a real desire to go for global players right now. At least that's what fund managers are saying. I mean, you do have the situation where seventy、um, percent of the companies that are listed on the FTSE one hundred derive most of their earnings from overseas.、Uh, so that means they're not really that affected if the sterling falls in value. And then to compound that, you have the weakness of the euro, which is actually good for European corporations. So a lot of、uh, fund managers are saying,、um, well, actually. This blowout might present a buying opportunity in some ways,、um, uh, but there is still this fear that the FTSE 100 could fall to 4,500 or below,、uh, and we haven't seen that for some time. So that's a real、uh, fear factor for a lot of investors. So risk on the downside for equity investors still. What about、um, people holding gilts or corporate bonds? We've seen gilts.、Uh, Fall in price, the yields going up、uh, this morning, Friday.、Um, could they fall further? Obviously, we're facing this sovereign debt crisis as well in Southern Europe,、um, and th- the concern is is that could spread、uh, to the UK market. And the uncertainty hanging over the elections here has.、Um, Actually pushed up the price of yields on ten-year gilts too,、um, with some analysts speculating they could rise to four point five percent, and that's、uh, you know quite a high number, and that would push obviously if yields rise and prices fall,、um, and that creates a bit of a chaotic situation in in the debt markets. And just finally, if yields go up on gilts, that also has、uh, a knock-on effect on interest rates. Could affect mortgages. Tanya, what does that mean for house prices? I think、um, people,、uh, housing experts, seem to be a bit concerned, really, about、um, the outcome of the Home Parliament.、Um, we've seen kind of a lot of people a bit nervous in the coming months to the election. A lot of people have been sitting on the fence, waiting to see what happens. And still, obviously, we haven't had any more certainty. So I think pretty much most people are predicting that house prices either remain flat or could even dip. And we saw、um, the Halifax house price index、uh, go down a little bit on Friday, didn't we? Yes, that's right.、Um, Halifax said today that prices, house prices in, in April actually dipped by 0.1 percent,、um, and they're actually predicting that it will remain flat during 2010. So I'm likely to see、uh, prices of houses, shares, bonds moving up、uh, very fast、uh, for some time yet. Thanks,、uh, Tanya and Ellen. And you'll find all the latest news on the likely makeup of a new government on FT.com over the coming days. And we'll be assessing the immediate impact of the hung parliament on your personal finances in FT Money with this weekend's FT and online at FT.com/money. Still to come on the show: How to trade UK shares from the middle of the desert or in the Andes? We'll be joined by globe-trotting columnist Nick Louth. First, though, the European government debt crisis. This week, the scale of the debt problems in Greece took on a new dimension as three people died in rioting over the severe austerity measures being introduced to cut the budget deficit. But with Italy and Spain in even more debt than Greece, and Britain's budget deficit widening at a faster rate than any EU country, there are fears that the debt contagion could spread through European bond markets and even into equity markets. Ellen, you've been assessing the impact on UK investors. Is it simply a question of avoiding government bonds? No,、uh, I think there's a lot of fear out there that this is going to spread to corporate bonds、um, and could hit investment grade bond yields as well.、Um, basically, the way the bond markets work is they're very connected. So, for example, the Portuguese government debt and、uh, 
Greece's government debt is owned by banks. So in the first case scenario, you have to question whether it's safe to hold the debt of banks that have exposure um, to the public debt of these countries that are appear to be on the brink of a financial uh, crisis. Uh, and uh, moving on, you have to then look at which uh, corporate bonds have exposure to uh, the banks that have exposure to the government debt. Um, so it's really a, a domino effect that most investors face uh, when there's a crisis in the in the debt markets. And the, the flip side to this argument is that Greece is a, is a small economy in comparison to um, its neighbors. Uh, and therefore, it's easy to sort of limit um, the effects of what's happening there. But uh, a lot of skeptics say that doesn't really hold ground, and we've already seen the yields rise and prices fall on Portugal's debt and Ireland's debt and Italy's debt um, and Spanish debt. Uh, so, why shouldn't it spread further as the economy or as the crisis widens? So, there is the danger of this domino effect, uh, as you say. We've already seen the yields on uh, these government bonds uh, rise as the prices fall. Um, what does that mean for the UK investor who's holding a bond fund? Uh, the UK investor who's holding a bond fund should be very careful that they're holding a, a, a well-diversified bond fund with a great deal of um, its holdings in uh, the corporate side of the market. Uh, and even those investors face some risks and they might want to consider getting out of those sorts of funds. Um, there's definitely a lot of fear and danger sort of being advertised uh, about debt markets and corporate bonds are not likely to be immune. But if people want to maintain some holdings in the fixed income sector, um, perhaps income investors need you know, a certain degree of yield from their investments, are there some bond funds that are considered better than others or more protected against uh, sovereign debt contagion than others? Definitely. I mean, they're the sort of the kind of the old standouts still are sought after sort of Invesco Perpetuals Income Fund, the Artemis Income Fund, uh, Legal and General's Income Fund. These uh, funds don't have as big a percentage of their portfolios in uh, Eurozone uh, denominated uh, debt. Um, and as of now, we haven't, the contagion effect hasn't spread to the UK. And in fact, gilts are seeing some benefit from the crisis um, because they're seen as a safe haven. And the idea is that if um, debt is being issued outside of the Eurozone, it's a much better bet than, um, you know, debt held uh, is sort of issued within the Eurozone. Um, so if you can just stay away from the Eurozone, you're sort of better off. So it could even be a, a, a better idea to be in a fund that holds UK gilts. Oh, definitely. Yes. Um, but of course, there is this kind of specter uh, hanging over the market. And UK gilts could um, suffer knock-on effects if three months from now, um, the Spanish debt markets collapse and the Portuguese debt markets collapse and the Italian debt markets collapse, and then the UK is not going to be immune in a situation like that. So no total immunity if you're a bond fund investor. Ellen, thanks very much uh, for running through those risks with us. And for more details on the European debt crisis and what it may mean for your bond fund holdings, look out for Ellen's article in FT Money with this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. 
And finally today, investing around the world. Six months ago, Nick Louth, one of the contributors to FT Money's long-running My Portfolio column, decided to take the trip of a lifetime, a six-month around-the-world odyssey with his wife, taking in Southeast Asia, Australia and South America, as well as all points in between. But being an avid private investor, Nick decided to try to keep track of the stock market and his share portfolio using just a small laptop computer. How did he get on? Well, as soon as he landed back at Heathrow, we brought him straight to our podcast studio to find out. Nick, you're just back from five and a half months uh, trekking to far-flung parts of the world, while, of course, still looking after your share portfolio for your My Portfolio column. So for those listeners who haven't been following your travels through the column, just uh, just remind us where you've been and how you did stay in touch with what's going on in the world's financial markets. Well, I essentially went round the world. Um, I started in uh, Southeast Asia, in, uh, in, in Thailand, went through Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, and then to Australasia, went to both uh, New Zealand and Australia, and then on to Chile. Um, the monitoring was something that you couldn't have done 15 years ago this way. It was entirely through the internet um, in countries that you perhaps wouldn't think of as being tremendously advanced uh, societies uh, 10 years ago have some of the best internet connections. You can imagine a a country like Laos uh, or Chile, even in the Atacama Desert, you can get a better signal um, in small towns on the edge of the Atacama Desert than you can in small towns in uh, uh, outback of Victoria and Australia, surprisingly enough. So it was uh, through the internet that I managed to do this. And uh, I'm glad to say that there were no really horrible surprises. There was one share that I probably should have sold before I went and that that became a bit of a headache for me, and that was an Australian oil explorer called Rock. Uh, This company originally had a a listing on AIM as well as in Australia, and they decided to uh, terminate the uh, AIM listing. And I thought, well, that's no problem. It's in my self-invested pension, and you can hold foreign shares. But in fact, I was also in the middle of trying to transfer my holding from one broker to another, and it caused a really big uh, bureaucratic logjam that uh, at uh, sort of 20,000 miles away, I was unable to resolve. Were you in Australia at the time? Uh, Strangely enough, I was in Australia. So if if I'd held my rock shares in an Australian uh, stockbroker, I could have actually phoned them up at the time and got rid of them. But in fact, because it was held in a British portfolio and they wouldn't take uh, email instructions i would have to phone them and then they'd have to have put an open order out um, into a void really because the australian market wouldn't open for some hours later um, i wasn't prepared to do that so that that proved to be quite a bureaucratic headache but that apart um, it's proved to be uh, a more pleasant experience than than i feared it might be um how did you look after all of these investments while Uh, in the middle of nowhere almost. The main part of it was preparing beforehand uh, a collection of shares that I knew I could monitor quite easily that were not particularly risky and indeed had as many defensive possibilities as possible. The idea was to make as few transactions as possible while I was away and indeed um, I probably only did two transactions in the entire sort of five and a half months. So before you went, did you have to go through your holdings and say... 
is it okay to sit on this particular share for, yeah, that's for right. six months? Um, and, and did some go by the wayside? Did you, did you get rid of some? They did, yes. I mean, I, I, I sold um, a number of uh, AIM-listed shares, things I probably should have sold anyway. Um, it, it sort of brought matters to a head with a few different shares. But it also meant that I decided to put more money into some of the utility companies. I added to a holding in National Grid. Um, I uh, bought some shares in Scottish and Southern Electricity. And these were all the kind of companies that I thought wouldn't let me down while I was away. And if any news item came up, I should at least be able to monitor it relatively easily. And in terms of the other um, transactions you had to look after, I suppose there's the day-to-day stuff like paying the mortgage and paying the bills. Did you, did you set all that up you know, automatically or did you actually handle that using your internet connection your well, pretty, laptop. pretty much it was all set up for direct debits beforehand there were the things that you decided were you you know the mortgage um and uh council tax and uh the uh, heating bills were still on direct debit I'm, I'm hoping to get a serious rebate when we get home on the heating bills because they continue to take money out at the same rate as if we were still there you missed you missed quite a and difficult I missed quite winter. a difficult winter i don't think it would be quite enough to pay for the entire cost of the trip but uh, that would be nice uh, the other things that were slightly uh, ticklish were the uh, internet access where the cost of actually cancelling the line for six months would have been greater than the uh, the savings I'd made on the monthly uh, payment. So I actually ran, continued to run that. Um, same kind of thing with the telephone line. But uh, overall, it was relatively simple because most of the bills are on direct debit anyway. Um, it's the unexpected things that you have to be much more careful about. And again, that's where the internet you know, gives you some um, clue of what's happening. I would made my arrangements with the tax authorities in advance and made an advance payment on the financial year's uh, tax payments to their satisfaction and would claim any rebate. Always pay them slightly more than they expect and then you can collect a rebate later on keeps them happy. But you weren't, you weren't sat there in the middle of the desert doing your self-assessment tax return? No, no, not at all. No, I'd done that before I went um, but uh, having ex- I sent a letter to the tax people explaining what I was doing and why they would be seeing a seriously smaller slice of uh, tax from me in the coming years. I've not worked for the best part of six months um, and then asked them how much money they'd want Uh, in advance of the tax deadline in January and made those arrangements and that seemed to work fine. I may come home and uh, find that there's a letter steaming for me on the doormat, but uh, so far as I know, it's all worked out well. That sounds good. And just very, very quickly, do you think that going away for five and a half months round the world has actually left your finances in a better or worse position? Well, clearly there's a major cost to going around the world for five and a half months. On the other hand, the investment portfolio has performed quite well in that time and made up a good part of the difference. Excellent, Nick. Thank you very much for coming here, first of all, to tell us all about it. That was FT Money columnist Nick Louth talking on his return to the UK earlier this week. And for this week's My Portfolio column, pick up a copy of FT Money with the weekend FT or visit ft.com forward slash money. Nick's next column will appear on Saturday, May the 22nd. But that's all for this week's FT Money Show. Remember that you can find weekday news updates, including the election latest, on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Tanya and Ellen. Goodbye. Goodbye. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is just around the corner, and it's time to pamper the special moms in your life. In what better way than with Osea's limited-edition skincare sets, featuring clean, vegan, cruelty-free products that are safe for your skin and the planet. Osea is a women-founded, women-led brand that's been making seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. This Mother's Day, Osea has two limited-edition sets, perfect for gifting or keeping for yourself. Their Golden Glow Body Set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for silky, smooth, glowing skin, while the Glow and Go Facial Set has everything she needs to achieve spa-level results at home. They're so beautiful, you can skip the wrapping. For a limited time, you can save up to $48 on Osea's sets, plus get free shipping. That's Mother's Day made easy. Pamper the moms in your life and get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOM at OseaMalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com, code MOM. Mrs. Cameron and Clegg or Brown and Clegg or any other permutation can uh, reach an agreement and quickly. Um, Ellen, of course, uh, sterling is going to affect... UK share prices as well. Um, multinational companies with overseas earnings stand to do quite well, so FTSE 100 companies. But I, I mentioned earlier that the FTSE 250, which is full of sort of UK-based companies, has fallen quite a long way. Um, what do people think is going to happen uh, over the sort of medium term? Well, there seems to be a real desire to go for global players right now. At least that's what fund managers are saying. I mean, you do have the situation where um, 70% of the companies that are listed on the FTSE 100 derive most of their earnings from overseas. Uh, So that means they're not really that affected if the sterling falls in value. And then to compound that, you have the weakness of the euro, which is actually good for European corporations. So a lot of uh, fund managers are saying, um, well, actually – this blowout might present a buying opportunity in some ways. Um, uh, but there is still this fear that the FTSE 100 could fall to 4,500 or below. Uh, and we haven't seen that for some time. So that's a real uh, fear factor for a lot of investors. So risk on the downside for equity investors still. What about um, people holding gilts or corporate bonds? We've seen gilts uh, fall in price, the yields going up uh, this morning, Friday, um, could they fall further? Obviously, we're facing this sovereign debt crisis as well in Southern Europe. Um, and th- the concern is, is that could spread uh, to the UK market. And the uncertainty hanging over the elections here has um, actually pushed up the price of yields on 10-year gilts too, um, with some analysts speculating they could rise to 4.5%. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, quite a high number. And that would push, obviously, if yields rise and prices fall. Um, and that creates a bit of a chaotic situation in, in the debt markets. And just finally, if yields go up on gilts, that also has uh, a knock-on effect on interest rates, could affect mortgages. Tanya, what does that mean for house prices? I think um, people, housing experts, seem to be a bit concerned really about um, the outcome of the home parliament. Um, we've seen kind of a lot of people a bit nervous in the upcoming months to the election. A lot of people have been sitting on the fence, waiting to see what happens. 
And still, obviously, we haven't had any more certainty. So I think pretty much most people are predicting that house prices either remain flat or could even dip. And we saw um, the Halifax over. house price index uh, go down a little bit on Friday, didn't we? Yes, that's right. Um, Halifax said today that prices, house prices in, in April actually dipped by 0.1%. Um, and they're actually predicting that it will remain flat during 2010. So I'm likely to see uh, prices of houses, shares, bonds moving up uh, very fast uh, for some time yet. Thanks, uh, Tanya and Ellen. And you'll find all the latest news on the likely makeup of a new government on FT.com over the coming days. And we'll be assessing the immediate impact of the hung parliament on your personal finances in FT Money with this weekend's FT and online at FT.com forward slash money. Still to come on the show, how to trade UK shares from the middle of the desert or in the Andes. We'll be joined by globe-trotting columnist Nick Louth. First, though, the European government debt crisis. This week, the scale of the debt problems in Greece took on a new dimension as three people died in rioting over the severe austerity measures being introduced to cut the budget deficit. But with Italy and Spain in even more debt than Greece and Britain's budget deficit widening at a faster rate than any EU country, there are fears that the debt contagion could spread through European bond markets and even into equity markets. Ellen, you've been assessing the impact on UK investors. Is it simply a question of avoiding government bonds? No, uh, I think there's a lot of fear out there that this is going to spread to corporate bonds um, and could hit investment grade bond yields as well. Um, basically, the way the bond markets work is they're very connected. So, for example, the Portuguese government debt and uh, Greece's government debt is owned by banks. So in the first case scenario, you have to question whether it's safe to hold the debt of banks that have exposure um, to the public debt of these countries that are appear to be on the brink of a financial uh, crisis. Uh, and uh, moving on, you have to then look at which uh, corporate bonds have exposure to uh, the banks that have exposure to the government debt. Um, so it's really a a domino effect that most investors face uh, when there's a crisis in the in the debt markets. And the, the flip side to this argument is that Greece is a, is a small economy in comparison to um, its neighbors. Uh, and therefore, it's easy to sort of limit um, the effects of what's happening there. But uh, a lot of skeptics say that doesn't really hold ground. And we've already seen the yields rise and prices fall on Portugal's debt and Ireland's debt and Italy's debt um, and Spanish debt. Uh, so why shouldn't it spread further as the economy or as the crisis widens? So there is the danger of this domino effect. Uh, as you say, we've already seen the yields on uh, these government bonds uh, rise as the prices fall. Um what does that mean for the UK investor who's holding a bond fund? Uh, the UK investor who's holding a bond fund should be very careful that they're holding a, a, a well-diversified bond fund with a great deal of um, its holdings in uh, the corporate side of the market. Uh, and even those investors face some risks and they might want to consider getting out of those sorts of funds. Um, there's definitely a lot of fear and danger sort of being advertised uh, about debt markets and corporate bonds are not likely to be immune. But if people want to maintain some holdings in the fixed income 
sector, um, perhaps income investors need you know, a certain degree of yield from their investments. Are there some bond funds that are considered better than others or more protected against uh, sovereign debt contagion than others? Definitely. I mean, they're the sort of the kind of the old standouts still are sought after, sort of Invesco Perpetual's Income Fund, the Artemis Income Fund, uh, Legal and General's Income Fund. These uh, funds don't have as big a percentage of their portfolios in uh, Eurozone-denominated uh, uh, debt. Um, and as of now, we haven't, the contagion effect hasn't spread to the UK. And in fact, gilts are seeing some benefit from the crisis um, because they're seen as a, a safe haven. And the idea is that if um, debt is being issued outside of the Eurozone, it's a much better bet than, um, de- you know, debt held uh, is sort of issued within the Eurozone. Um, so if you can just stay away from the Eurozone, you're sort of better off. So it could even be a, a, a better idea to be in a fund that holds UK gilts. Oh, I- definitely, yes. Um, but, of course, there is this kind of specter uh, hanging over the market, and UK gilts could um, suffer knock-on effects if three months from now um, – the Spanish debt markets collapse and the Portuguese debt markets collapse and the Italian debt markets collapse, then then the UK is not going to be immune in a situation like that. So no total immunity if you're a bond fund investor. Ellen, thanks very much uh, for running through those risks with us. And for more details on the European debt crisis and what it may mean for your bond fund holdings, look out for Ellen's article in FT Money with this weekend's FT and online at ft.com forward slash money. And finally today, investing around the world. Six months ago, Nick Louth, one of the contributors to FT Money's long-running My Portfolio column, decided to take the trip of a lifetime, a six-month around-the-world odyssey with his wife, taking in Southeast Asia, Australia and South America, as well as all points in between. But being an avid private investor, Nick decided to try to keep track of the stock market and his share portfolio using just a small laptop computer. How did he get on? Well, as soon as he landed back at Heathrow, we brought him straight to our podcast studio to find out. Nick, you're just back from five and a half months uh, trekking to far-flung parts of the world, while, of course, still looking after your share portfolio for your My Portfolio column. So for those listeners who haven't been following your travels through the column, just uh, just remind us where you've been and how you did stay in touch with what's going on in the world's financial markets. Well, I essentially went round the world. Um, I started in uh, Southeast Asia, in, uh, in, in Thailand, went through Cambodia, Laos, Vietnam, and then to Australasia, went to both uh, New Zealand and Australia, and then on to Chile. Um, the monitoring was something that you couldn't have done 15 years ago this way. It was entirely through the internet um, in countries that you perhaps wouldn't think of as being tremendously advanced uh, societies uh, 10 years ago have some of the best internet connections. You can imagine a a country like Laos uh, or Chile, even in the Atacama Desert, you can get a better signal um, in small towns on the edge of the Atacama Desert than you can in small towns in uh, uh, outback of Victoria and Australia, surprisingly enough. So it was uh, through the internet that I managed to do this. And uh, I'm glad to say that there were no 
really horrible surprises. There was one share that I probably should have sold before I went and that, that became a bit of a headache for me, and that was an Australian oil explorer called Rock. Uh, this company originally had a, a listing on AIM as well as in Australia, and they decided to uh, terminate the uh, AIM listing. And I thought, well, that's no problem. It's in my self-invested pension and you can hold foreign shares. But in fact, I was also in the middle of trying to transfer my holding from one broker to another. And it caused a really big uh, bureaucratic logjam that uh, at uh, sort of 20,000 miles away, I was unable to resolve. Were you in Australia at the time? Uh, Strangely enough, I was in Australia. So if if I'd held my rock shares in an Australian uh, stockbroker, I could have actually phoned them up at the time and got rid of them. But in fact, because it was held in a British portfolio and they wouldn't take uh, email instructions i would have to phone them and then they'd have to have put an open order out um, into a void really because the australian market wouldn't open for some hours later um i wasn't prepared to do that so that that proved to be quite a bureaucratic headache but that apart um it's proved to be uh, a more pleasant experience than than i feared it might be um how did you look after all of these investments while in the middle of nowhere almost. The main part of it was preparing beforehand uh, a collection of shares that I knew I could monitor quite easily that were not particularly risky and indeed had as many defensive possibilities as possible. The idea was to make as few transactions as possible while I was away and indeed um, I probably only did two transactions in the entire sort of five and a half months. So before you went, did you have to go through your holdings and say... Is it okay to sit on this particular share for, yeah, that's for right. six months? Uh, and did some go by the wayside? Did you, did you get rid of some? They did, yes. I mean, I, I, I sold um, a number of uh, AIM-listed shares, things I probably should have sold anyway. Um, it, it sort of brought matters to a head with a few different shares. But it also meant that I decided to put more money into some of the utility companies. I added to a holding in National Grid. Um, I uh, bought some shares in Scottish and Southern Electricity. Um, These were all the kind of companies that I thought wouldn't let me down while I was away, and if any news item came up, I should at least be able to monitor it relatively easily. And in terms of the other um, transactions you had to look after, I suppose there's the day-to-day stuff like paying the mortgage and paying the bills. Did you you set all that up automatically, or did you actually handle that using your internet connection well, pretty, pretty much it was all set up for direct debits beforehand there were the things that you decided were you you know the mortgage um and uh, uh council tax and uh the uh, heating bills were still on direct debit I'm, I'm hoping to get a serious rebate when we get home on the heating bills because they continue to take money out at the same rate as if we were still there you missed you missed quite a and difficult I missed quite a difficult winter i don't think it would be quite enough to pay for the entire cost of the trip but uh, that would be nice uh, the other things that were slightly uh, ticklish were the uh, internet access where the cost of actually cancelling the line for six months would have been greater than the uh, the savings I'd made on the monthly uh, payment. So I actually ran, continued to run that. Um, same kind of thing with the telephone line. But uh, overall, it was relatively simple because most of the bills are on direct debit anyway. Um, it's the unexpected things that you have to be much more careful about. And again, that's where the internet you know, gives you some um, clue of what's happening. I made my arrangements with the tax authorities in advance and made an advance payment on the financial year's uh, tax payments to their satisfaction and would claim any 
rebate. Always pay them slightly more than they expect, and then you can collect a rebate later on. Keeps them happy. But you weren't you weren't sat there in the middle of the desert doing your self assessment tax return. <laughs> no, no, not at all. No, I'd done that before I went. Um, but uh, having ex- I sent a letter to the tax people explaining what I was doing and why they would be seeing a seriously smaller slice of. Uh, tax from me in the coming years. I've not worked for the best part of six months. Um, and then asked them how much money they'd want uh, in advance of the tax deadline in January and made those arrangements and that seemed to work fine. I may come home and uh, find that there's a letter steaming for me on the doormat, but uh, so far as I know, it's all worked out well. That sounds good. And just very, very quickly, do you think that going away for five and a half months around the world has actually left your finances in a better or worse position? Well, clearly, there's a major cost to going around the world for five and a half months. On the other hand, the investment portfolio has performed quite well in that time and made up a good part of the difference. Excellent, Nick. Thank you very much for coming here, first of all, to tell us all about it. That was FT Money columnist Nick Louth talking on his return to the UK earlier this week. And for this week's My Portfolio column, pick up a copy of FT Money with The Weekend FT or visit ft.com forward slash money. Nick's next column will appear on Saturday, May the 22nd. But that's all for this week's FT Money Show. Remember that you can find weekday news updates, including the election latest, on our website, ft.com forward slash money. And you can read and comment on our latest blog posts at ft.com forward slash money matters. We'll be back next week with another financial lowdown in downloadable form. But until then, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from Tanya and Ellen. Goodbye. Goodbye.